Welcome. Got a little bit of a smaller crew today, but we're live. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. How are you doing? I'm doing well. There's been news, 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 a whole nother week of preseason. I, I feel like sleeper updates sending me into a tailspin every other day where it's like, oh, I didn't realize this was happening. Keeps you on the edge of your toes, on the edge of your seat as a fantasy analyst. Yeah, sleeper is like, every time I open it, I'm like, who's injured now? Who Who's just randomly going off on business trips and getting excused from practice? There you are. Um, oh, we can use this. We can. Never use Ryan. my overlay. Brian, I love the bed. I love how it's made so nicely right now. It looks great. Um, yeah. So, before uh, we get dinged for having a boring intro. Oh, what? Boring intro with me here? No way. I just well, <laughs> thought <yeah>. I'm choking. <laughs> dying, so, I'm dying over here. Our intro segment. Intro segment. I've been trying to do this. We're going to have intro segment. So, do, 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 do. Yeah, insert sound drop here. Um, Jonathan Taylor, yes. Very interesting things going on. He might be traded. He might not be traded. You know, We'll have to see. What do you guys think about Jonathan Taylor and his situation? What's fair market value? That's what I want to know. The Colts want fair market value for him, a guy that they don't want to pay. Um, looking at ADP right now, he's currently RB10 at ESPN. That is, I feel like no matter where he goes, as long as he plays, he is returning your RB10 value. That's true. Um, so by the, by the dip of your drafting, as we're getting into more draft-heavy weekends. But ultimately, for JT... Go find your suitor. Someone wants you. There's other fish in the sea that not not, not named Jim or say they will pay you. They will they will pay up for you. Just go get your stuff. You'll be fine. You know where I want to see him, like realistically? Where? Chicago. So Roshan Johnson can die? Doesn't matter. Unnecessary hype. No, no, no. Do you understand what uh, Jonathan Taylor would do for that offense? They have the cap space to do it. They have the young assets. They have extra picks to just fling away at this point. So why not Why not do it? Why not give Justin Fields oh. another weapon? I, I did a Twitter thread on the situation. It's there. And then I did another post about the teams I think are the most likely. And then there are ones that make some sense and then they make no sense at all. Uh, the most likely I had the Dolphins, the Bills, and the Chiefs, actually. Not the Bears. Then the next group, I had the Eagles, the Bears, the Vikings, the Rams, and the Bucks. Oh, okay, pause, pause. I want to see him go to the Vikings and just absolutely just destroy Alexander Madison after this whole <laughs> offseason. That would be yeah. kind of funny, not going to lie. Funnily enough, I have heard the Cowboys more than any other team on Twitter. I find that very hard to believe. But I've heard them the most. It's them boys. Yeah. 
Uh, it's interesting. I would say, if I had to guess, the problem is that when Christian McCaffrey was traded, the contract was already signed. So it was a lot more appealing to the acquiring team because the signing bonus and a lot of that dead cap stayed with the original team. In this case, the new team giving him the contract extension has to eat the whole thing. They do get one cost-controlled year, which is nice, but they don't get like the Giants with Darren Waller or the 49ers with Christian McCaffrey, the benefit of a bunch of dead cap being left behind on the old team and lowering the risk because those players can basically be cut at any time. Uh, all the guaranteed money stayed with the original team. Wait, so, wait, wait, Tyler, you're telling me that a first-round pick isn't worth one year of a cost-controlled running back? Oh, my gosh. No, I don't think so. <laughs> so for those reasons, I would say that Jonathan Taylor – is worth, first of all, I think Christian McCaffrey is, is better than Jonathan Taylor. Secondly, I think Christian McCaffrey costs less to the 49ers than what Jonathan Taylor's extension will be. Not overall, but in terms of the share that the 49ers paid. So what does that mean? I think the most a team would be willing to pay is a second, a 2024 second. That's the maximum. Who could pay that? Teams that are desperate. I would categorize the Dolphins as desperate. Their running back room is not good. Devon A. Chain is hurt. We don't know when he's going to come back. We, I had many Dolphins fans telling me that Raheem Mostert is definitely their starting running back. He's not. That's it's very false. If you paid attention last year, the same coaching staff referred Jeff Wilson as the starter. Uh, Jeff Wilson has been the starter. Uh, he was the starter from the second he got there. Why a 31-year-old Raheem Mostert, who actually was paid less money in free agency. They signed them both to two-year contracts. Jeff Wilson's was worth more. Why Raheem Mostert would be the starter now, I have no idea. So that, that one makes no sense. But regardless, even Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson was a cast-off. Twice, so three times over. Raheem Mostert, the same thing. Jonathan Taylor would provide a different dimension. And I think, to be honest, to make that trade work, Devon A. Chain would probably go in the other direction. Because what are you going to do with Devon A. Chain? With trading for Jonathan Taylor? Nothing. Nothing. You are stuck. You have two veterans you can't cut, another veteran, and then a young running back. What are you going to do? I mean, Devon A. Chain would go the other direction. Uh, which would be fine. Then everyone's problem would be solved. The Colts would have some young running backs to choose from between A-Chain and Hull. Uh, and um, then they'd have Jonathan Taylor as their starter and two veteran backups. It sounds great. So that, that's the one that makes the most sense to me. And the only one that I think is realistic. The Chiefs. They don't have the money. But it makes sense. They need him even more than the Dolphins. Their running back room is weak. It's very weak. They need him. But the problem is they just can't afford it. They need an outlay and extension for Chris Jones. And they need a potential money for a number one wide receiver at some point. So that's tough for them. Last one's the Bills. They don't have the money. But... You know, the Bills are desperate to win a Super Bowl. 
I could see them putting in the the pick. You know, they have another their other running back is on a rookie contract. They can afford at running back to pay Jonathan Taylor some amount. But other than those teams, I still think it doesn't happen personally. I, I think it doesn't happen. I think this gets resolved in the same way that the Austin Eckler situation did. He was given permission to seek a trade. No trade materialized. And eventually he had to come back. I think that's what's going to happen. Do you guys think anything differently from what I said? Oh, no. No. Spanos and Ursa seem to be in the same boat. So, like. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I think I think JT's, and I think he's. We've kind of realized this over the last month or so as we've watched this play out. Is there's not a whole lot of winning in this situation right now. His leverage isn't there. Um, the teams no, there's no to, leverage. Yeah, the team's no having to eat the contract and pay up for it. Hurt quite a bit. So it's. We'll see what happens. I'm not holding my breath waiting for that JT trade to come through. I, I'll be surprised when it does, if it does. Um, but I expect week one, Jonathan Taylor will be on the field um, for the Indianapolis Colts. Do you think he could sit out to make a point? What point would be made? None. None? Yeah. I don't think there's you, – you've, you've made your point. You've, you, he said his piece – um, his agent said his piece. It's an unfortunate, uh, an unfortunate part of the the collective bargaining agreement, and there's not much really you can do about it. I get that. It is what it is. It is what it is, and sadly for a lot of teams, it, this could be league sh- league changing for a lot of dynasty leagues. You have a contender that was rocking JT as your RB one or even your RB2, and you're left looking, what do I do now? So what are some actionable items if someone's nervous about JT even playing this year? If you're, you're now, we're now two weeks away from the NFL season week one, you have to start start setting your, your week one lineups. You've got a team that's ready to compete and you think is it, but now you're looking at JT not being it. Not have drafted a running back in the first round of your startup in the first place? I mean, that would have been my advice, but nobody but, ever listened but say, to me. So. Say we're six years into the league and you have JT. Well, I, you know, in that case, there's nothing you can do. I mean, what, what would you suggest someone do? What, what would you suggest? Would you, I would be okay with finding that guy that believes in JT and full swerving off him, hoping that he shows back up. Sell JT, you can't. I've tried. It's nah. not possible. He's a hold. I, I mean, the kind of offers you're getting are here. Let's, let's talk about this. Mid-24 first for Kenneth Walker on a contender. I bring this up because the kind of offer you get for JT is just a single first. So I, I bring that up for that reason. To answer this question, uh, I will say, uh, and if you've been following along on my Patreon, you'll notice in my rankings change, Kenneth Walker is plummeting in my rankings. He's not there. And I don't want to hear about that. I don't like that. He needs to come back immediately. Immediately. Because 
if Zach Charbonnet begins the season as a starter, we know Pete Carroll is fickle, very fickle. If he looks good, there's no guarantee Kenneth Walker gets the job back. So I'm not doing this. I'll keep the mid-24 first. I'm uh, very, very scared of Kenneth Walker. Um, Robin, it kind of made the same point that you said if asking the question, though, if Ken Walker misses time early, does he ever get that 1-8 job back? And I think my first reaction to this is, he said for the rest of the season, it might be a rest of his career. Yeah. It's it's terrifying that I have two running backs. I have Kenneth Walker and Dynasty at running back 13 and Zach Charbonnet at running back 17. That doesn't feel right. Something has to give there. But it also doesn't – running back's tough. Mm-hmm. I think the upside for both is what's keeping them there. I know. And as soon as we have any type of clarity for actual real-life football, I think we'll we'll have to correct quickly. And that's a great buy or sell opportunity if you're able to cash out at the right time there. I agree with that. Um, Uh, But, but yeah, we answered that. So Clay Turner is watching. I'm glad that you're watching, Clay. I'm really glad you're watching me, Clay. Cal is here. Um, what should someone do if they haven't paid attention over the entire offseason? Theoretically speaking, let's say you were really up on everything until the end of last year, and then you spent the last mm. nine months following your kid around playing baseball, for example. Well, Cal, what I would suggest, first of all, is send me a trade offer in the league we share together. Then secondly, um, I would suggest um, you want to come back and do the show with me? You want to come back? That's what I'd suggest. Is that not helpful? If you want helpful, something helpful. Um, I'm actually writing an article for DLF right now. Uh, it's been taking me a while because I've had writer's block. But it's about dynasty startup strategy. And in there, and how to, for specifically for newer dynasty managers. So, you know, newer or whatever. One thing, thing I suggested was to watch my show, sign up to Patreon, and uh, sign up for DLF. The Look at the rankings and, and look at the ADP. That was my first suggestion. I haven't gotten to the part of the article where I'm going to write about this yet, but the next section was going to be read the articles. Read the articles. Listen to podcasts if you have missed things. I think that's the best way to catch up. Uh, read news. Um, you know, Adam Leviton and there are others do a good job of summarizing what is going on in preseason. I read those threads. I find them helpful. Maybe you should do that. That's a good way to kind of keep abreast of what is going on. But, you know, whatever source you want to take it from, that's, that's what you do. If you want to follow me, I tend to aggregate it to give you the most useful info. I'm not comprehensive i'm a highlights person i'm gonna make sure you don't miss anything really important that's my thing there are people who go through everything that's like the adam leviton the threads people and then there are people like peter howard who are neither of those and go deep into a thing 
If that's interesting, you do that. But yeah, people who go deep into a thing, like Peter Howard, highlights analysts like myself and this show, or, you know, just kind of everything, which is available on Twitter. Or if you want to bow down to Elon Musk, you can call it X. Is that a good summary? I mean, I think those things are all very helpful. Uh, One of the things I like to do, even if I feel like I miss something, is sleepers updates on players. They have their well, little, I, they have their honest, little outlook, but then they also just like, what's the recent news things on them? Honestly, I just assume everyone is subscribed to that. Like, I, I just assume that. That this to is, me, that's a this given. This is going this through game. like player cards. This is clicking on player cards. Oh, uh, I find that that's a little inefficient. That, that helps, you know? helps me if I miss stuff because I feel like there's times where I better way my to phone do that. and there's 20 notifications and I'm just miss yeah. Sleeper. I find that's an inefficient use of time though. Like to click on every card. I think those threads I talked about on X, that'll mm-hmm. get it. You get this. You won't miss anything, but you'll make sure that you're <coughs> a little less exhausted. Yeah. Imagine having to click on every. That's going to take hours. I think. I think I do it more for players that are like, did I forget something? Am I missing something with the trade offer that comes through and someone's lowballing me or highballing me? I'm like, what am I missing here? Yeah. Go ahead. All right. No, I mean, like, go ahead. In the, yeah. So from one holdout in JT to another, what are we doing with Josh Jacobs? Josh Jacobs. Um, well, I think that similarly to the Colts with Jonathan Taylor, the Raiders do not want to extend Josh Jacobs, period. Uh, it's actually even worse because I don't think the Raiders see Josh Jacobs as a long-term plan of their team. I think the Raiders have backed themselves into a corner this year. The coach's job is on the line. The GM's job is on the line. They want uh, Josh Jacobs to be there to help them win enough games to save their asses. The GM does not have Josh Jacobs in his long-term plans. The coach is not going to be there to make long-term plans. So they're not going to extend it. And the question is, Josh Jacobs is probably going to show up. He's probably going to play. And then he's probably going to walk after this year. I, you know, it's a question of how you value him. And I've been holding the whole time. So nothing's changed. Yeah. Sorry, I did a work phone call. I definitely yeah, Josh Jacobs is going to come back, though. Cal, Cal says that's all good advice. I think a lot of people are just now jumping back in. Absolutely, especially with those that focus on that do a lot of more redraft and play in their home leagues. You're getting people just tuning in now and starting to really pay attention. Well, and the ADP has been created at this point, and now they get to weed through and say, "What do we think the analysts got wrong? What What do the experts get wrong?" Well, if you're just jumping back in, and this is your first time here, make sure to like the video. Leave a comment, subscribe to the channel, and hit the notifications bell so you can be notified about all of my future content. And I swear that's not an ad read. I just made that up uh, out of my head. It's not sitting on a sheet worded word by word, but these are minor details. Um, And then make sure to sign up for the Patreon. Yes, the Patreon. It's very important. It's very important because the Patreon supports all the other things and i will say 
that the days of me answering every start sick question on X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it are long gone. It's not going to happen. You want to get sometimes I go take three days to answer stuff now. If you want a guaranteed answer, it's available there. I don't think I've ever left a patron waiting for very long. But it's easy. I go to my messages. I answer the question. I'm very quick. If I have to scroll through a bunch of notifications on Twitter, it's going to slow me down. So I suggest signing up. You get my start sit ranks. I'm never going to be able to get to every start sit question. So, you know, the ranks are great. Shortcut. Um, and I, I'm the best. I'll, that might be presumptuous, but I, I'm the best. I, I'm the best. There's a reason why I get the most start sit questions for the last three years. People keep coming back. 500 people every week come back, and that's just on Twitter. I'm the best. This is my specialty. I'm, I'm known for Dynasty, but Start Set is my specialty. That's what I'm the best at. And I'm ready to bring it. So if you want everything I've got, it's on the Patreon. And I promise, I promise you won't be disappointed. I promise. If you're disappointed, cancel it and don't come back. Because I, I want you to be happy. But I promise you won't be disappointed. It's worth it. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would add also YouTube comment sections. If you come back through, it helps our engagement here. Yes. We do tend to... It's easier for me. Yep. I'm more likely to see it. If it's in a YouTube comment, I'm more like... On Twitter, I miss things. YouTube comments, I don't. I don't get that many. I only get 20 a week. I'm not going to miss you. I'm going to see you. And it's easier for me to follow our conversation on YouTube, actually, than it is on Twitter. It's funny, funnily enough. Absolutely. So back to questions. So... What kind of trades are we seeing for Zach Charbonnet? Trade mm. or hold in most leagues? I have never seen Zach Charbonnet traded. Not even once. Not one time no. since the rookie draft. Zero. I, I've done it once. Traded him I just away. haven't seen him traded. Uh, people who drafted him were in on him, thought that he had a chance to usurp Kenneth Walker, and now they think that more. So... I mean, what would you need? I would need in Superflex, I'd need a 2024 first. To, and that's, yeah, I need a 2024 first. It's yep. anything less. It's not good enough. That's what it would take. About a month ago, I think I traded him for Jared Goff. I'd take Goff. Yep. And that's what it was. It was a straight, yeah. I'll take the higher ADP, the higher value, turn it around something later. Give me that, yeah, two, extra, that two, three rounds of... I have some interest in buying Zach Charbonnet. If I can turn uh, JK failure into Zach Charbonnet, Ooh. I would be very interested. That's spicy. I like that. that. Yeah. Well, JK Dobbins sucks. Why would I want he him? He does. He's always injured. Pe- I don't want to hear like about him. that. People like him for some reason. Yeah. Well, I don't know why. I don't know why. He's always injured, doesn't catch passes, and never delivers. So I don't know why they're interested. You, you mean the, you don't want the highest catching pass catching running back in the Ravens offense that hasn't eclipsed twenty receptions in the last no six years? I don't know. Okay, that makes that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. I, I agree. It makes. I agree. Sense. I agree. It makes. It does make perfect sense. I, I agree with myself. Yeah. Yes. Um, Scribbles asks, uh, Zay Flowers, Jahan Dotson, Devin Singletary, or twenty twenty four third. Quentin Johnston or in a 24 first? Uh, That's easy. QJ? Yeah. Yeah. 
I will say. And a first. Good question. It's a good question because Zay Flowers looks excellent. He's doing very well. Jahan Dotson looks good. Terry McLaurin, the turf toe is a problem. It's going to be a problem. It's hampered many a player. People, I think people think turf toe is mild because it sounds mild. Oh, oh yeah. Turf toe, that doesn't sound so bad. Because he's on the field. He's not out of the lineup with it. Well, you could be out of the lineup. I mean, pe- players have missed whole seasons with turf toe. They have, but I think people underestimate its effect on players, especially in terms of fantasy value and fantasy production. Um, I've seen roughly 24 to 26% downgrade in fantasy production um, for the first six to eight weeks after a turf toe injury. Sounds about right. And that's but with anyway, them in the lineup. With that being said, I'll still take uh, QJ. He's the most upside here by a lot. 2024 first is nice, too. That, that has be, more that upside anything. than any player on the other side. That could be anything. Well, I mean, even at, a box. Best, it could even be QJ. <laughs> at best. Yeah. At best, Jahan Dotson is what? Jahan Dotson ever finishes a wide receiver one for fantasy in his life? I'd say no. Not with the skill set. He's just the skill set's just not there. Um, I mean, any wide receiver can, but you have to score 10, 11, 12 touchdowns. His ceiling most his ceiling feels like his ceiling feels like lurking around wide receiver 17, 18, 19 for a couple of years. Yeah. 32 this year. I feel like he's a less talented version of T. Higgins with a worse quarterback. I see nothing in common with Jahan Dotson and T. Higgins. What what do you see in common? More so just the wide receiver two on your team capped by a a better wide receiver one on a team looking to be something. I like the idea, uh, wrong player. Uh, I think it, yeah, I think it's it, it more. It wasn't a, a player Tyler Lockett. Comp. That's the player you're looking for, Tyler Lockett. The that one. Yeah, that, that's what Jahan Dotson could be. Absolute best case. What Tyler Lockett has given you. That that's the best case scenario. Mm-hmm. Overall, and just, the odds are the best case scenario is not the scenario. And now, it's a cap I do situation. like Jahan Dotson though. I do like him. Zay Flowers, I like too. Kind of the same thing, though. Stuff to see the ceiling. Um, oh, show, thank you. I'll I'll take over. Um, killer show, yes, I agree. I think the show is great. Um, I, it's my favorite show. It's my favorite show. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's Tyler's best part of the week. He gets to spend two hours with uh, Patrick and all of you. Yeah. And Ryan. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. For sure. Nick asks, in a startup, how far would Jacobs or JT have to fall before you consider picking them? Ooh. Well, I mean, it is possible that I could pick either of them, given where they're going. It's 
possible. It's not usually how I build my team. Like, I'd rather take Jameer Gibbs or Chris Olave over Jonathan Taylor, which might prevent me from getting him. Uh, although maybe not now. Josh Jacobs, I have Christian Watson, Quentin Johnson, Jordan Addison ahead of him. So that probably prevent one of those three wide receivers is usually still there. So it's unlikely, but it is possible. I don't have them ranked that far from their ADPs. So it's possible, but not likely. They're not the running backs I'm the most out on, though. Like, well, Christian McCaffrey is the running back I'm the most out on. I mean, he's ranked still in the top seven of ADP, which is insane. I like him. But no running back really has delivered past, you know, 28 these days. Mm-hmm. So I, I already kind of know where Tyler lands on this, but can anyone unseat Kelsey as a tight end, as a number one tight end? Mm. In my opinion, Waller and Pitts have the skill set to do so. Long term or? I That's mean, a- eventually Travis Kelsey is going to retire. The question, I think, is most interesting. If you don't ask it that way, but you ask it, is there a tight end in the NFL who has the ability to deliver the kind of game-breaking upside that Travis Kelsey delivered and Rob Gronkowski delivered before him? And I think that the answer to that question is no. I don't think there's a tight end in the NFL who has that upside. I actually think the answer to that question is no. I don't think any tight end currently in the NFL is going to approach Travis Kelsey's 2022 in their career. I think the answer is no. I think what's going to happen is when Travis Kelsey retires, we're going to have a new standard for tight ends that's going to be lower. Because I don't see a, a player with that kind of upside. In you have to be You have to be that good and be in the perfect offense and not have like a superstar receiver on the same team to do it, to be Travis Kelsey's 2022. It's very hard to do. I don't see a player with the talent, let alone the other two things. So my, my answer is no. Do you think ADP of tight ends like two through five are going to start falling back now that there's yes. not a rush at the top? I, I do. I think that actually Kyle Pitts and Mark Andrews are undervalued, especially Mark Andrews. Um, but I think a lot of the middling tight ends are overvalued. TJ Hawkinson is uh, the biggest offender, but it's kind of a mix. I think they should be more in, I think it's going to be more similar, more flat. So I have almost no George Kittle and a lot of Luke Musgrave, no Evan Ingram, but a lot of Michael Meyer. Because if I think it's going to be flat, I want the younger guy. Because that's the one I'm going to be able to sell. I like that answer. Very good answer. There is someone who can unseat Travis Kelsey and have that kind of upside, but he's still in college. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Eric Gilbert, yeah. And um, I will say that Brock Bowers, if he were um, available today, would be the number one dynasty tight end. And it's not close. 
I remember when we said that about a certain someone. Who did I say that about? Kyle Pitts. We all said that back in the day. Yeah, and we were right after his rookie year. So, um, I don't know what happened to Kyle Pitts, to be honest. He looks injured. It's, something's not right with him. Kyle Pitts is kind of a vibes thing, actually. I rely on vibes probably more than others. I tend to find that it helps. Some people say, oh, that's not analysis. You want me to be right. What do you care more about? Me being right or me being able to prove it? Me being right, right? Me being able to prove it doesn't help you win anything. Me being right does. Kyle Pitts is one of those where I'm starting to get scared because the vibes don't feel right. All right. Production says he should be good, but sometimes you got to go with your gut. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Um, What is your general outlook on the Packers offense this season? Will Jordan Uh, Love be competent enough to maintain his weapons fantasy value? Will the offense shift to be more run heavy, et cetera? Uh, so to answer all three questions, uh, middling, yes, and yes. I think the Packers will be fine. They won't be horrible. I don't think they're going to be great. I think Jordan Love can replicate Aaron Rodgers' 2022 level of play, which was bad because he was hurt. I think Jordan Love can give you something like that. I think Christian Watson will be fine. I think Luke Musgrave will be good. Luke Musgrave I like because it's so easy to be good at tight end. The bar is very low. I think Luke Musgrave, I already have him as a top 20 tight end for this year. He's playing every snap. Running around on every drop back. Yeah, he's playing every snap with the starter. So he, I like. The 80%, 90% snap share is what I'm projecting. So if that's the case and he has a receiving skill set, he pretty much has to be a top 20 redraft tight end. Um, I have him at uh, 16 for the record. Or 17, sorry. Problem is, I think that Jordan Love is just okay. I think Christian Watson's an alpha. And that means I think if he's going to be an alpha and Luke Musgrave is going to be fine and they're going to be more run heavy, there's no room for another wide receiver unless another wide receiver steps up to get kind of everything else. (coughs) And I don't see that being the case. I like Jaden Reed and I like Romeo Dubs, but I don't see Jaden Reed separating from Romeo Dubs enough or the other way around for either of them to be very good. So I'm not super in on them. I like Jaden Reed's talent long-term if he can get it together, but uh, the offense is not going to support him. In or- It would either have to be Jordan Love would have to be better than we expect, or he'd need to be replaced by someone better. But not with what I'm expecting. And residential Packers fan here who tends to undervalue the own, his own Packers players, I agree with a lot of what Tyler says. I don't know how run-heavy this offense actually becomes when push comes to shove. Um the one person that's been it's been really quiet about in camp has been AJ Dillon. So you're nothing. Have, Zero. Absolutely nothing. And that's kind of concerning to me a little bit. Aaron Jones is, is that is that guy. He's also heading towards that age cliff. And when the fall off happens, it's gonna happen. The wheels are just gonna fall off. Um I didn't include them in my list. But 
could the Packers? They never do this. That's why I didn't include them. Yeah. What if the Packers were interested in Jonathan Taylor? They kind of need him. That feels like if if the if the owners of the team were allowed to be the GM, because the people yeah. the people own the Packers. I know. And they'd go and say, "Let's get our let's get our Badger boy back on the back into Wisconsin. Let's get JT. We'll pay we'll pay up for the future just to get JT from Madison, Wisconsin, and the Wisconsin Badgers back on the team." Yes, I know JT is not actually from Madison, Wisconsin. So before you guys all come in the comments correcting me and all that shit, keep it to yourself. I already know. But we don't care. We we love we lo- they love football players from the, that played at Wisconsin. They want guys from Wisconsin as much as possible. I don't see the Packers actually doing it, but let's just say it's been brought up on Packers fan fan pages. It would be funny. Mm-hmm. The one the one that I wish actually happened was JJ Watt. That one ah. was talked about, and that kind of broke some people's hearts when he chose Arizona. Arizona of all places. But we, we were like, oh, he, he came to Wisconsin. He came to Wisconsin after he's from Wisconsin. Just come home. And he didn't do it. Wasn't even the Steelers. That had to hurt. Yeah. I, I would have been okay with the Steelers. I wasn't okay with him not choosing the Packers. Um, Michael says Patreon was the best money I spent this year. Had a great draft thanks to Tyler's rankings. I fully believe you did, Michael. I think I think Michael I think Tyler's Patreon is Excellent way to spend your money. It's the best way. Would you would you rather have a chicken nugget meal from McDonald's that satisfies you for like 10 minutes and makes you feel crappy afterwards or a whole month of Tyler's Patreon? I want I mean, a month of Tyler's Patreon. Don't we all? That's going to satisfy my team, my pocket later down the line, and my fantasy ego. Well, it definitely is the most helpful for your ego. Absolutely. You can talk like Tyler to your league chat just because you know everything. Huh. Yeah. I appreciate that. All right. I know QBs are less valuable in a, 12, in a 10 team compared to a 12 team. In a startup, what is the ideal range to grab a QB2, QB3? Any pr- preferred names to target? So super flex, you're saying they're value, but less valuable on a ten team because there's uh, more less scarcity. That's true. Uh in the QB two QB three range, I mean, Kenny Pickett usually seems to be the one I like. Uh, Mac Jones is dismissed when he shouldn't be completely dismissed. Um, and other than that, most of the values seem pretty okay. Uh, some are overvalued. Jordan Love tends to go too high. Depends on the draft. But he seems he's all on the side of everything's going to be great. A little too much risk at his price. Um, but yeah, a lot of them have fine prices. I mean, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, I have them near their cost. Eric Carr, same thing. How do you feel about Daniel Jones as one of too those high. names? Too high? Too high. Yeah, too high. He's starting to get valued in the, like, premium tier above like uh, other players like Drake London or Jackson Smith and Jigba or Devonta Smith, oh. like proven wide receivers. He's starting to go above them. Oh, I want to sell them at that point for sure. Yeah. yeah, Proven wide receivers. We know are good. Whereas scarcity, 
I don't think we're sure that Daniel Jones is good. So scarcity shouldn't push him above proven wide receivers or guys like JSN. Shout out to Brock Bowers from our, our tight end conversation earlier. I love Brock Bowers. If someone wants like get like a uh, one of those fat heads for Tyler, oh my God. I'm sure he would absolutely appreciate that. Just a Brock Bowers to put a, put above him. I would him. send it to me. Off subject, fun question. Tyler, have you ever taken a Myers Briggs test? And if so, can I guess your letters before you tell us? Guess the letters. Go ahead. Next question. Guess the letters. What's the upside of T. Higgins given his current ADP as a 29th player off the board? I assume this is a redraft question. Um, so you do get players of which T. Higgins and Devonta Smith are kind of two of them who don't have a lot of upside. They don't. T. Higgins is not go- and Devonta Smith are not going to be top five wide receivers. Yet they're being drafted in the top 15 wide receivers. So by definition, they don't have a lot of upside. But good players sometimes don't. What's the upside of taking Christian McCaffrey at running back one? Right? Like, or Travis Kelsey. What's the upside? Taking him at fourth overall. It's some, this happens sometimes. And they have high floors. So, yes, I, I hear what you're saying. Doesn't mean I'm not going to pick him. You want good players on your team. Not not every player can have huge upside for you and can yeah, return I mean, and can return more value than what you paid for. If T. Higgins finishes as the wide receiver ten, that's good. I, I don't I don't think that's bad. It's a valuable pick. Yeah, exactly. You didn't miss on your early hit. pick. Yeah, you yeah. hit on your third round pick. You you can't win in the early rounds, but you sure can lose. Where you win is in the later rounds. I know we touched on this a couple weeks ago with our tight end with our tight end show, um, but where are we taking Dalton Kincaid and redraft? Non tight end premium, just one PPR. I have him at tight end ten. So high. I've changed my stance on on him since the, since that show. I was a little more out on him. I thought he was going to fall, and I'm. The more and more I see from him, the more and more I want Dalton Kincaid on my on my teams. I'm glad you saw the light. I I knew the, I knew the light was there for Dynasty, and I knew it was there long term. I just wasn't expecting to 100% see it this year. And seeing his usage so far, all the camp reports, I've not heard one negative thing about Dalton He's Kincaid. He's playing every down, running routes. Mm-hmm. Nobody's playing the slot for Buffalo. There is no slot receiver. You mean all those like twenty-eight-year-old slot receivers that they signed aren't? They're not aren't playing now. Oh darn! But the all first right. round draft capital tight end well, that they traded up for. What I said in the first place. Mm-hmm. You were right, Tyler. I I often am. Sorry. Uh, to follow up on Kincaid, are we happy he's playing in the slot more than the tight end spot? Oh, I'm not unhappy. I mean, tight ends can sometimes get <laughs> good. Well, I didn't actually just answer that, actually. He will be, I, he'll, he'll be unhappy. That, we, we mentioned he's going to be in the slot contract more, time. I didn't answer that, though. I, sure. I would say you can win in line. I mean, you can win. I mean, Travis Kelsey doesn't line up in the slot very often. 
and neither does George Kittle. And neither, you know, Mark Andrews does more. But even him. It's just, you want someone who's going to go out for routes. Mark Andrews has blocked 30 times. Pass blocked. Not in 2022, ever. That's what you want. That's what Dalton Kincaid is going to be. So as long as he's not actually blocking, I don't care where he lines up. I just want him to run the route. That's what matters, is does he run the route? What percentage of plays is he playing? Part one. Part two is what percentage of the plays he's in on does he run a route? If that's the second number, we want that to be like 90%. Would be nice. Like Mark Andrews. 80's fine. If it's 60 like George Kittle, then you get worried. I think that's also a good reminder for uh, running backs that are in on passing downs. What is their route participation looking like? Are they stuck locking on those important third down plays where they're in there on passing downs? Or are they actually running routes and getting open and available um, as available option for the quarterback? Ryan, anything you want to add on the tight ends before we shift again? I think we can shift again. I mean, it doesn't matter where they play. Tyler was right. Mm-hmm. Mine too, Mike. My t- mine too. Uh, 12 team, one quarterback, start eight. Give Etienne and a 24 first, get McCaffrey. In a start eight, I think I'm taking this. I think I'm, I think I'm doing it. In a one QB start eight, like. Yeah. It's, it's hard. It, it's, it's a spicy move, but I think you're able to get out of Etienne who's got some, who's got some uh, yellow flags right now. They're not quite red flags. He's got some yellow flags. Um, I'm I'm okay with I'm okay with both sides of this trade, um, but I think I want McCaffrey. I think Tyler would want the 24 first. Oh yeah, I'm um, going for it though. But he's also one of the most down on, on McCaffrey of anyone right now. Um, Justin asks, does Charbonnet have standalone value this year? Has to. He has to, right? This. Lingering injury for Kenneth Walker says Charbonnet has to. I fully expect Charbonnet to, ha- to return some value. I, I don't know if it's going to return his necessary ADP value. I thought it was going to value anyway. The way they drafted him, you're, you're not going to sit a guy on the bench with that draft capital. Come on. I mean, P. Carroll would, so never mind. I have him at running back 29, by the way. Well, that's easy to return value at. Nick asks or says Tyler is an INFJ. What are you, Patrick? I think you've seen, have you seen me share Facebook posts about? Yes, uh, but I don't remember what you said. I am an INFJ. You're an INFJ. I am. So, given that piece of information, Nick, do you think Patrick and I are the same personality type? I don't even know what I am, so don't even don't even ask me. Um. <laughs> He's an I something. Me or Ryan? Ryan. Yeah. Don't even know what that. I, means, I need. Man. I need to Stay dig. In. I, I can't remember uh, Meyer Briggs that much to say <laughs> all the. Yeah. 
Oh, but it's that feeling judging that, that FJ in me. I follow those feelings and I judge the hell out of you. Yeah. What do you think I am? You're definitely you get de- you definitely have the J. I can't remember what the opposite of the N is. Sensing or intuitive? Sensing versus intuition, yeah. You follow your intuition. The the way you do fantasy analysis is the same as an INFJ for sure. Whether that's your true personality type, the way you do analysis falls into a lot of the feeling, judging, intuitive. Yeah. I, I'm definitely emotions. Yeah. Uh, I'm you definitely... see that you see things that are unwritten and unspoken and yeah. you apply those things and which yeah, frustrates the hell out of other people who are looking for, give me the clear data, give me the clear analysis. And you're like, I can't, I just know. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely an intuition. I think <laughs> I just know I'm definitely feeling um, the, uh, you know, people and emotions considered over facts and uh, stuff. Judging and perceiving. I mean, Judging is like a lot of structure and firm decisions. Perceiving is more being flexible. Um, I don't know if I'm a J. That's fair. I, I think I think if you hear the words judging and perceiving, you'd think I'm a J, but I'm I'm like the opposite. I'm someone who can't have any hate structure and just does whatever I want whenever I want. So and uh, I don't know how you think I'm an introvert. I'm like the most obvious extrovert in the world. Um, so yeah. I sometimes I've been an ENFP, sometimes I've been an ENFJ. But yeah, no, my strongest is the E, actually. Yeah. I'm a very strong that's the difference so, between if you notice the difference between me and Patrick, like we are similar, but I'm a lot very of loud. I, a lot of INFJs a lot. can definitely can mask and are known for trying to show extrovertness when they think that it's expected of them. Yeah. Oh, and I can like you. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's me. That's what I, yeah, that's, that's you. yeah, I will Tyler message me. Hey, I, I really, really need some energy from you to show. I'm like, fine. That's what we need. Let's do it. <laughs> um, I think the bigger question is on the, the other alignment chart, the, the good, neutral, evil, chaotic, lawful. Oh, I love that one. Are you a chaotic neutral or chaotic evil? You didn't know that? I think you're on the chaotic side. Yeah. I would say I'm, although I'm more of a rule follower than you think, like when it comes to some stuff. But overall, personality-wise, I think I'm more chaotic neutral than I once was. Okay. I think I definitely was chaotic evil when I was younger. Okay. I think I'm much more neutral than I once yeah. was. I'm taking I'm taking a test right now. I'll get back to you. <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I fall I, I fall I, into the chaotic good. Um, sounds like you. I I believe in the good in humanity and want to see the best of it, and I don't uh, think yeah, that I really don't. We see the, <laughs> I definitely I don't think don't. there's always the the right avenue to do it within the confines of rules. Which makes it yeah. lovely that I work for the government. But if anyone watching my show thinks I'm an introvert, I don't know what show you're watching. I'm like, I was waiting just for that to. I was waiting person. for it to blow up. Yeah, I'm like the most <laughs> extroverted person. I like can't go. Maybe this is gonna be surprising. Maybe I'm. Maybe I don't. Maybe this doesn't come across. 
but like I cannot go like five minutes by myself. Like I, I cannot handle an entire day by myself. And if, at the end of the day, if you think about like what my Patreon is, what do I spend all day doing? Talking to people, <laughs> interacting with people, handling like I probably interact with about 50 to 100 people a day. If I were really an introvert, I don't, I think I'd be, I'd fall apart. And I, that, I would say my Patreon, the part where I have the one-on-one -on -one interactions and talk to people is my favorite part. <laughs> so, and the part I hate is writing. I don't hate writing, but that's the most difficult part. Why? Because that's solo. Because I'm not interacting with anyone. So that's, I'm mm. like your classic extrovert. I can be a little shy. Not every extrovert is outgoing. That's not the same thing. I can be a little shy. It takes me a while to warm up to new people. But I love talking to people. I just prefer the company of the same people, which is interesting. I'm kind of a shy, not so outgoing extrovert. It means that I'm very loyal and love the friends that I have. But it's difficult to become my friend, if that makes sense. Well, we've met in person. And I think that evening that we met, uh, definitely I was giving off chaotic neutral vibes. And um, I, uh, yeah, 100% that day. <laughs> I remember that day very well. So on a rebuilding team, I was offered Charbonnet and 224 seconds for Jonathan Taylor. Taylor. I love uh, Charbonnet, but Taylor's yeah. yep. Taylor. Just hold Taylor and wait. Keep up also, the good work, y'all. side note. Alarm! It's 8.30! At night. Alarm. I want to know what alarm. That's right. Are you taking a midday nap? All right. Oh. Next question. Uh, CMC or JT in Dynasty? JT. How much would, yeah, JT. How much would his ranking change if JT lands in Miami? Um... It wouldn't really because JT, maybe I'd move him over Brees. I mean, to me, JT's kind of in a weird range. So I have Jefferson, Chase, and Lamb, obviously, at the top, and then Bijan, way ahead. Then I have kind of a group of wide receivers AJ Brown, Amon Ra, Garrett Wilson, Jalen Waddle, Chris Olave. I don't think I'm going to move JT ahead of any of them. I'd rather just go with a young wide receiver. No matter what JT does. And then I have Jameer Gibbs, and I don't think there's anything JT can do to be ahead of Jameer Gibbs until I start seeing games. So it's real. And then I have Brees Hall and JT. And then after that, I have T. Higgins, Drake London, Devonta Smith. And those are all probably going to stay below him. So JT can is kind of in a weird no man's land. So. Maybe I'd move him above Brees, especially if Brees is not looking so healthy, but it's not going to change much. And redraft, it would help a little. I'm a little worried about a player changing teams on August 22nd, though. Nah. And how high would you have JT? I mean, I think he's going to split more work in Miami than he did in, in Indianapolis. So even though the scheme is better, how high would you have JT? I mean, I had him at five before before all this started happening. Maybe I'd just move him back, knowing that he was back. He He's at RB10 right now on ESPN. 
Yeah, he's returning, that, he's returning that value for sure. I have him at eight. If I knew he was going to come back to the Colts, I'd probably move him up to seven at this point above Henry. Um, if I knew he was coming back to the Dolphins, I'm not sure I'd change that seven because I think it kind of cancels out. Better system, more work split. So when you average those, uh, cancel it out and keep him at seven. But I would love it for Dynasty if he went to Miami and they gave him a long-term extension because then I'd be comfortable knowing that scheme and he's going to get multiple years in that scheme. So for Dynasty, I might see help there. For redraft, though, not sure how much I'd change. I think I covered that. So Michael Pittman caught 99 balls last year. Is there any way he gets anywhere near that with Richardson under center? Uh, No. Zero chance. No way. way. The Colts, everyone says the Colts were an incompetent offense last year. That's true. But they had 604 passing attempts. There will not be 604 passing attempts this year. You're lucky if you get 500. Probably not going to be that many. More realistic is probably around 450. So you're cutting the pool of targets. 25% of it is gone. Now, last year, uh, second in target, Alec Pierce was there at 78. Paris Campbell had 91. Josh Downs, I think, is probably better out than Paris Campbell. Alec Pierce is moving into year two. There are more tight ends. Jelani Woods could take a step forward. I think that the fourth player on the team is not going to have 40 targets like last year. If Jonathan Taylor's gone, there could be more passing. You know, more passing uh, potentially, but we'll see. 141 targets is not going to happen. That would be a 32% target share of 450. That would be God tier. DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams tier, Adams tier of player. That is not going to happen. Michael Pittman is not that. He's not going to have 141 targets. He's not going to have 99 receptions. So, yeah, I am terrified. I'm at wide receiver 31 in redraft. I'm out. What I hope for Michael Pittman is that he walks in free agency and signs somewhere else because he's in the worst case. He's in a bad scenario. We know that with a running quarterback, you either need to be a running quarterback who learns how to pass like Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen. And they delivered enough. Or you need to be Lamar Jackson's 2019 and throw 39 touchdowns. That can get you there, which is not going to happen this year. Or you need to be the only player who matters. And I'm just not seeing Michael Pittman as that level of player. So I'm worried. And I hope he walks. Because I do think he's a top 20 wide receiver in the NFL. But he won't be a top 30 fantasy receiver here, unfortunately. Has has his dynasty ADP... ADP and value corrected itself with consensus. Um, I think it as, has. as someone I know we mentioned before where his redraft ADP was for a going to be a, a better and wide receiver was 15 spots lower than his dynasty uh, wide receiver position, which doesn't make sense for someone who's already spent that much time in the league. Yeah. 
Well, I think the idea is that he's not that old and he's still talented, but he's old enough that I, I worry about that. But I'm more likely to give Michael Pittman a chance over someone like who I have the same concerns, but who are older. Like Deontay Johnson's a year older and Terry McLaurin's two years older. Those players are even more concerning to me. But and for those two players, they they've already gotten paid. That's it's, it's there's a chance a, that Pittman could walk though, which would which would help. Because yeah. the thing is, look at it this way: the Colts. Let's say they don't resolve the Jonathan Taylor situation. The Colts then enter the offseason with one franchise tag and two players who need it. And if push comes to shove, who are they going to keep? I don't know. I don't know. Are you going to keep Michael Pittman on a one-year franchise tag for $20 million, which is what it's going to be for a wide receiver? Or would you franchise tag Jonathan Taylor at $10 million and just forget about Michael Pittman, say he's not worth $20 million and move on. I don't know. I don't know what they would do because Jonathan Taylor's a difference maker. He's one of the five best players at his position. And the tag is half the price. It's tough. Michael Pittman might get out of there. And if he does, he has the opportunity to gain value only being 27, going to a better situation. That's why his dynasty ADP hasn't fallen that far. But he needs to get out of there. He missed the beginning of the show. He had an alarm set because he was just doing a bunch of stuff. Oh, I thought you said uh, I thought you meant you were sleeping, bro. Giants fans, should I package Njoku for Darren Waller to back up Kelsey and Dynasty? Sure. I mean, why not? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds spicy. Yeah, I don't really like Njoku. Njoku's someone I haven't heard like much from. I really like I, Waller. This I mean, year. I, I'd ho- I'd hope Waller is possibly working as a flex on your team, so that way you're not paying up for value on things that you might not actually need at all, and isn't going to make your your team better. I do think Injoku is kind of a now or never player. Like Injoku has to deliver. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't think we're still going to be talking about well. He has the upside to do something. Like, he has to deliver, and he has to deliver a top 10 performance this year. Otherwise, he's going to move into kind of roster clogger territory. Players that don't have a lot of dynasty value. He says he also has um, Okonkwo and Likely. You don't need to do it then. Yeah. I'm I'm fine running, running Chig. After. I'm fine with your current room. You don't. I think likely is going to be a value this year with how much Baltimore is going to pass the ball. Doubt it. The Greg Roman gone? They're on, they're not running twelve though. They're not running any twelve. He's not going to play. It doesn't matter. He's not going to play. Uh, not they playing. Play eleven. They're playing like eighty percent eleven. So he's not going to play. So unless Mark Andrews he's... gets hurt, he's not going to do anything. Isaiah Likely is at this point someone where I think you're waiting. Unfortunately, you're probably going to have to wait for Mark Andrews to suffer a significant injury or for Isaiah Likely is going to have opportunities to flash and then a team might be interested in free agency, overpay him, and he'll get a starting job. That's probably what you have to do. I don't think 
he's never going to make it there because now they're running 11. And he won't play. They should run, they should run 12. Mm, I don't think so. I think so. I think he's better than whatever third wide receiver they could trot out there. Don't agree. And Rashad like, Bate, as much as I don't like Rashad Bateman, I think he provides more to an offense than Isaiah Likely. I still, I still, there's also a good chance one of those guys gets injured. They have a lengthy injury history, the two of them. I do wonder what they'll do. Will they run, still run 11, or will they change it? James Prochet. Please, God, no. Where's <laughs> they Devin say Duvernay that Nelson at? Aguilar is looking good. They're interested in Nelson Aguilar. They say well, he's having a great Well, James Prochet's done. He's done. <laughs> Devin Duvernay's done. Duvernay, isn't he out for the year? I don't remember. No, apparently he's still thinking. Laquan, <laughs> Laquan Treadwell is having a good camp, by the way. Yeah, I... People are talking about Laquan Treadwell. Are they talking about him more than they're talking about um, Nikhil Harry taking Adrian Peterson's number? Uh, oh, my God. I don't want to talk about Nikhil Harry. <laughs> I'm too oh. scarred for life on Nikhil Harry. Ooh. What's du- next? Duvernay's healthy. Apparently. Thank you, sleeper cards. Um, should I move Ramondre Stevenson on a win now team? I'm taking that trade before that was on the screen that I don't think we oh, answered. Yeah, we, oh, yeah, what about that one? I'm taking I, this. I forgot I already pulled it up. Uh, give Garrett Wilson, get McCaffrey and Cup. I'm doing it. Okay, so it's funny. I think in a year you're gonna regret it. But if you have a you're gonna regret it. Like I think this time next year you'd rather have Garrett Wilson. But get it. I mean the value. If you put it into a trade calculator and the value is with McCaffrey and Cup, but I'd be careful. You better have, you better win. Otherwise, this didn't pay off. The shove of all shoves, though. Say that much. Yeah, that's Uh, true. Should should I move Ramondre Stevenson on a win now team? Depends on what you get. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, I think is now a hold. But if you can get something great, I'm fine moving it. But I think the returns have been too low. Did Kamara fall off that much last year? I know there's three-game suspension, but number 81 overall seems a bit too far. Uh, yes and no. He wasn't what he was. Um, I think that Alvin, people who are saying that Alvin Kamara is going to be an RB1 when he comes back, I think are, are somewhat delusional. I don't see how that's possible. He got goal line work last year, which he hadn't gotten in the past. Jamal Williams is going to get that. Uh, Kendra Miller is not going to go away. He's not going to disappear. He's not going to be redshirted. Teams don't spend day two picks on running backs and then not use them. It's very rare. I mean, you have A.J. Dillon, but that's like the one one where a day two pick was spent and they were just not used it's rare jones that's true it's another one that was a while ago though it it is rare so i don't know depends i haven't met a running back 25 i think if he were healthy and i didn't have to deal with the three game suspension i'd probably have him at Kind of in the tier with uh, like Damian Pierce. Probably have him at 18, right behind Pierce. 
So I'm penalizing him seven spots for the suspension. I think that's fair. Back to the tight end statement. Likely is a deep stash. I won't drop him, though. We have enough spots. Very few dynasty leagues would I suggest dropping Isaiah Likely. But in redraft, not really a player I want. I don't want a tight end where I need an injury. Feeling like people may overpay for a young running back? Oftentimes they do. They often do. And then we Wait laugh at them. Wait a minute. Yes. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. This is This is totally so far off topic. It's NFL still. Did we talk about uh, Will Levis getting the lifetime Mayo deal? No. I know Will Levis was on the show sheet. Who cares? Not for the was it for the lifetime Mayo deal? He signed it today. No, it was because he's getting beat out by the second stringer there that I Malik. Had, yeah, I was gonna. I was like, he was so far. Malik Willis was so far off my board at this point after last year that I completely forgot his name. It wasn't worth remembering. Yeah, Remember he was one on one. Yes, that was back in the day when Yumi and Conan did the show every week. Mm-hmm. Long time so ago. I don't even remember. He I'm wasn't what he was. Ballad. Loving the convo. Thank you. And ha 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 ha. Laughing emojis. Yes. How exciting. Tyler, what do we got on the show sheet? So many that we haven't already that we already haven't touched on all the, Ryan, all the news. Oh, you wanted to talk about Jameer Gibbs? Yes, I did. So Jameer Gibbs is—I I think I've mentioned it before. He's my top exposed player in best ball across all mm-hmm. sites. Every time I get to round three, and he's on the board, it's an insta pick because the upside is just so high. I don't think he's going to come off the field. I think he's going to play wide receiver when David Montgomery's in there. He can. Jameson Williams is out. He's the receiving upside. I just think there's so many things destined to go right for him. The Lions offense is going to be explosive. They have a great play caller. I mean, and just look at Jameer Gibbs. Like, look look at the film. He didn't get too much tread on the tires during his college days. He went 12th overall, and the Lions said they were going to pick him 6th overall so, over Bijan. So, like, if that doesn't say anything, and then I know this is They're not telling the truth, by the way. This is, I know this was a couple days ago. And I, I I was thinking about this before, but like someone tweeted out that the rookie running backs always score well, and I like I knew that going into basketball season because it always seems like they score well unless your name's Clyde Edwards-Helaire and he still scored okay, but yeah. everyone else just put up mad numbers for first round running backs, and I think these two guys are going to be the same because I think they're both going to be game changing for fantasy football. And one you could get in the first round, and the other you could get in round three or four. So I'll take the discount. Hmm. I like that. I mean, I have him at running back 11. So there are other good running backs. It's hard to to rank him. I told you what I was drafting him as in the underdog drafts before, didn't I? No. So they did the underdog contest pool before the draft. I was drafting Jameer Gibbs in round six and seven. It was was the best days. I love that. You should make a trade with me. I I did last last show I was on. You should do another one. I, I heard that people are talking about Clifford, the big red dog. There's no way. You you think I just sat through four years of Penn State football and I'm going to trade for Sean Clifford. But people are talking about I, it. I people, can't do it. I People are talking about it. There's a, I, narrative, there's a narrative in Packer land that Sean Clifford can overtake Jordan Love. 
and it has absolutely nothing to, to do with has nothing to do with Jordan Love's uh, skin color. Uh oh. Yes, that's been an honest conversation within. How about Twitter. Justin Fields? He is available. Mm. I heard people are mm. talking Rumor. about it. Rumors, rumors. People have it, are but... talking about it. So anyway, I, I forget where I was. Back back to the Sean Clifford that's... thing. I, I watched four years of Penn State football. I went into the season. I'm like, they're gonna they're gonna lose two games. They win the Rose Bowl. They lose the two games to Michigan and Ohio State. You have those circles as L's every year on the calendar when Sean Clifford was playing. And I know he put me through so much pain. I can't do it. <laughs> it's just painful. I'm still hurt. But anyway, I, I, yeah. I, I, won, I won a lot of money betting against Penn State when they played my Michigan Wolverines. Mm. I won a lot of money that way. I won, I, I won some decent money too, Patrick, because, you know, I went into the game. I knew. <laughs> I'll be so watching. You spent, you spent money to watch them lose, your own team lose. I knew it was going to happen. No, I'm no, I, spent, I, I, I bet on Michigan. That's what I'm good. saying. I'm opposed oh. to losing. I like to win. I like the to win big. Team, the only team I struggle to bet against is the Eagles. Everyone else is free game. <laughs> I, I like winning. Who are some league winners? Oh, that was what we were supposed to be talking about. Yeah. I, I, I read it off the title of the show. Uh, so who, who are – talking some running backs. Who are some guys that at their ADP might be drafted and be those league winners for you? Damian Pierce. Damian Pierce. Yeah. Anyone else? Uh, Honestly – at their prices, no. Uh, Damian Pierce is is the one. If you want another one, it's Zach Charbonnet. I was gonna say that. Um, but we talked so about honest. him a lot already. Those are the two that I see really have the potential to like break leagues wide open. Zach Charbonnet is currently running back forty two on ESPN. That is that's a mistake. That's a mistake because I, Kenneth Walker still hurt. I did a redraft over the weekend and I drafted him. So one second, I'll get back to you on what round I drafted him. Yeah, in. that's a mistake. I've heard a little bit of Khalil Herbert's name being mentioned as a potential league winner. I could see it. Because it's a run-heavy offense. If he gets 60%, that could be a lot. I mean, that could be top 15. Okay, I drafted Charbonnet in, at round 10, pick 111. Oh, that's ridiculous. Um, a couple other league winners. I mean, a league winner at running back almost by definition has to be drafted pretty late. Yeah, it's hard. Um, we listed a few. Damian Pierce is my favorite, and Zach Charbonnet is number two. Uh, Khalil Herbert is kind of up there, but he has as much down. He could be a league winner, but his downward risk is that he's benched in week three. So, you know, just keep that in mind. He's, But that's the kind of player I like to take, one with a high range of outcomes. You know, I'm not drafting to win an to win an accuracy contest. I'm drafting to win. So when you're in the later rounds, you want the upside. I'd rather take Khalil Herbert over Brian Robinson. What is the upside with Brian Robinson? Nothing. Nothing. He's boring Robinson. Um, like Brian Robinson needs an injury to be a top 25. Uh, no upside. 
Um, and then most of the other winners are those contingent guys. What you want to do is you want to see who has any path to be, let's say, top 15, if that you want to call top 12 is hard, but top 15. And not over a whole season, just over a period. Tank Bigsby is on the list. Jalen Warren is on the list. These are players where if the starter were to disappear, they would be top 15 for that week. Jalen Warren especially. Um, yeah, those are those are two more, I would say. Any anybody that you would say should be could be a league loser, someone you just do not draft. A league this guy. loser. Uh, someone, someone you just need to avoid. Uh yeah. Um league loser. Uh Tony Pollard. Ooh. I just I don't I don't see it. I see more I see more downside risk than upside. Tony Pollard what? currently going as running back seven. On ESPN. Uh, yeah. The problem is that some people are starting to say that he's running back one. And that he should be drafted in the top five overall. And that's where he can be a league loser. Running back seven's fine. If getting at the hit, getting at the one two turn. Uh yeah. The back I end mean, of that. I'm trying to think. Like I would take McCaffrey, Eckler, Bijan, and Barkley over him. Mm-hmm. Jefferson and Chase. Kelsey, mm-hmm. uh, Lamb, Hill, and Cup. So that's, yeah. I'm not fighting you there. Yeah, you... 11 or 12 is fine, but some people are saying take him in the top five, running back one. I'm Did like, you say Nick Chubb? Yeah, do you want, I was going to say Derrick Henry or uh, Tony Pollard? Uh, I have some concerns with Derrick Henry. He would have, he was another name for my list. Same actually. here. <laughs> Derrick Henry was the one that was screaming at me. Nick Chubb, too. Nick Chubb is on the list because he's being ranked higher because people are just assuming he's going to get more passing game work because there's no one else to get it. That's a dangerous assumption. That's not a guarantee. And if he doesn't get it, he's not going to be top 10 in PPR. We're getting a wow on Pollard. And Ryan, do you want to explain why Jacobs wouldn't fall into that category for us i don't know it's i mean it's gotta be the it's gotta be the offense right i mean i think i might have jacobs over pollard if he comes back for week one but it's didn't reports come out saying he's come back for week one yeah but and so were he, they for levy on bell he also that, said true. it's the whole that risk he said like oh that's a liar that's not true or something and then deleted the tweet right afterwards if Josh Jacobs had never started with this holdout and just was showing up and playing and had never been a problem at all, I would have had him at five. And at that point, I might have considered him to be a potential league loser because he was the highest in that group. But now that you're drafting him at nine, the only which is where I have him now, the only way he can be a league loser at running back nine is if he doesn't play. He'd have to not play. I would say. Or get hurt. But a healthy Josh Jacobs is not going to kill you at nine. Mm-hmm. The risk is that he doesn't play now. Perhaps dangerous assumption, but I assume he's going to be there week one. Um, yeah. So I still think I'm more worried about Josh Jacobs than Jonathan Taylor. Even though Jonathan Taylor's rhetoric sounds worse. Josh Jacobs, who has blocked me on Twitter, by the way, nice. is a vindictive person. 
who I, I think so. A vindictive person. I've said this many times. Not a nice person. I don't think he's a very good person. So I would not put it past Josh Jacobs to do something. That's the difference between Josh Jacobs and Jonathan Taylor. I see Jonathan Taylor as a rational actor. As in someone who's going to do what is best for Jonathan Taylor. Whatever he thinks that is. It's not going to be sitting out a season, I don't think. Because Jonathan Taylor knows that that's not best for Jonathan Taylor. Josh Jacobs is not a rational actor. We saw what he did uh, on Twitter with the fantasy football community and all that. Josh Jacobs is not rational. He reminds me a little bit of Le'Veon Bell. And Josh Jacobs, I find to be someone who has it in him to do something that's not in his own best interest. Just because he can't. And he's on the franchise tag, which gives him more liberty to do so. Technically, there's no penalty. He just doesn't get paid, but there's no penalty. He doesn't get fined, nothing tolls or anything. He just doesn't get paid. So there's nothing else they can do to him. So I'll believe Josh Jacobs is coming in when I see it. Jonathan Taylor, I'm going to assume, is coming in until I see otherwise. So I still see it differently. Going to shift gears here and switch over to some wide receivers. We've talked a lot about Christian McCaffrey today. Let's go over to another 49er. Brandon Ayuk, uh, if he stays healthy, what's a reasonable floor and maybe a ceiling for him? Um, The floor is if everyone else stays healthy and the touchdowns don't go his way, is like wide receiver 30, but he's being drafted below his floor. You're being drafted at 32. I don't get it. What am I missing? He was the clear wide receiver one down the stretch in terms I, of wide receiver. I, I, I And the clear number one target. I've seen the 49ers saying he is their wide receiver one. Yeah, Debo, is. Is, Debo is Debo. Yes. And provides a different layer to that offense. But Ayuk is the one. Yeah. If, if he stays healthy, if everything goes wrong, he'll be about 30. The ceiling, um, if there are no injuries, I'd say the ceiling is about 17, 18. Hard to see it being much higher than that if there's no injuries. But if someone goes down, he's someone who could pick up the slack. The problem with the 49ers is that Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey, you know how we talk about good players earn targets. The problem is that Ayuk, Debo, Kittle, and Christian McCaffrey are all good. They're all good, but everyone else on the team sucks. So what does that mean? It's a rare scenario. All the players are good. So if they're all there, you would say good players are targets, but they're all good, and you can't target multiple players on one play. So it caps the ceiling a little bit, but that means that Debo, Kittle, and Ayuk, McCaffrey, we know what his ceiling is because he's running back, but... Debo, Kittle, and Ayuk have an extra ceiling, and we see the splits for all of them. When one of them's out, the other two are so much better than when they're all healthy. So all of them have an increased weekly ceiling from that because they are all good. They are all very talented players. And Ayuk is probably the safest Ayuk doesn't get scripted out like Kittle and doesn't get 
not having a role gadgeted planned in like Debo. Ayuk is the safest. Ayuk's role is not going to disappear. But he doesn't have the 10 touchdown ceiling of Debo. 11, 12 touchdowns. Doesn't have the rushing upside and doesn't have the two, three touchdowns in a game that you can see from Kittle. So to, yeah. to put, to put I, are we happy with that answer? Yeah. I was going to say to put into perspective who would be stepping in should someone go down. You're looking at Ronnie Chris Bell, Con- Chris Conley, Juwan Jennings would be the one. And Ronnie Bell will hopefully make the team. And well, he will now because Danny Gray is hurt, but he will make the team. Ronnie Bell is actually someone in Dynasty I would suggest picking up. Uh, I, he's doing, they're liking what he's doing in camp. And, you know, Debo, Kittle, and Ayuk have all had injury problems and issues. So you want someone, this is a great offense. We know Kyle Shanahan succeeds. You want to have those backup players. They'll flash. They might gain value. So Ronnie Bell would be the, the deep player I would look at. Cameron Latu, too. He actually looked good in camp as well. I hear you on the scene to believe. I drafted Bell that year. Josh Jacobs just reminds me personality-wise of Le'Veon Bell. Jonathan Taylor doesn't. I don't know him. But you judge based on what you've seen. You see a little portion of these people. You know, I'm sure he's a great teammate. But, you know, so was Antonio Brown for a long time. And then he wasn't. And then everything came out. Your so ENFP is showing. Hmm. <laughs> yes. All the feelings. Well, yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Back to back to running backs. We talked to some well, Ryan winners. says that Bijan is going to finish as the running back one. Heck yeah. The ceiling's I, I, there. This is not really much to talk about. No. I think it's very ceiling's there. We know. I just yeah. wanted to put it. I just wanted to put pen to paper. Thank you very much. You mean keyboard to Google Sheet? Whatever. Yeah. Cool. I will say his his first run look, looked great. He showed that he he looks immediately like a better version of almost any running back in the league. But just quickly hit the hole, got into it right away. But I heard that he was third on the depth chart. So was Justin Jefferson. Snap. But- that's what I Justin heard. Justin Jefferson had COVID, though. Cordero Patterson, though, is... He... Cordero Patterson will still get touches, and I don't know how... And it's going to be interesting to see what his role actually is in that offense. Um, so I think Atlanta does really like him. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to be enough to truly hurt Bijan unless he takes away a couple goal line carries. Which... Patterson gets in the end zone. That's something he does really, really well. Mm-hmm. So that would be my one caution is can Cordero Patterson steal that goal line work enough so that instead of 10 touchdowns, he gets eight or he gets seven. Yeah. That's one and a half fantasy points per game that matters. Next. How many guys are in the RB1 and wide receiver one conversations? Uh, RB1, uh, Christian Caffrey, Austin Eckler, Dijon, Saquon Barkley. Um, 
have the ceiling for sure. Um, Josh Jacobs, if he plays. Jonathan does, Taylor has done it before. Does Nick Chubb? I don't think so. Um, yeah. Tony Pollard, according to some people. Not sure if I feel that way. Wide receiver one, Jefferson Chase are obviously the two favorites. Uh, Lamb, I think, has the possibility. Tyreek Hill, of course. Cooper Cup. And I think that's mostly end of list for wide receiver one overall. I think that it will be tough. The only other players I'm thinking of is does Stefan Diggs, right? I think he's capped in the top three to five think, at the most. Yeah, I think Stefan Diggs, that ship was in 2020. And then I was going to say AJ Brown. Dalton Kincaid. Should, AJ Brown would need some more big plays uh, and, a, and some injuries. Volume's not there for AJ Brown. In a standard league, maybe, but in a PPR, no. I, I don't think AJ Brown can be higher than like four or five. It's tough. The volume's just not there. He would definitely need injuries and other things to happen for it to go right for him. Yeah, I will say if Jefferson and Chase are healthy, slash if we're just looking at points per game, I would take those two over everyone else. Um, even without, if we're just talking points per game, I'd take those two for number one over every other wide receiver in the league combined in terms of odds. There's a set. There's the reality that a down year for Justin Jefferson is sixteen hundred yards, yeah. and eight touchdowns. That's yeah, a I, that could be a down you year. Know, you know what's scary about Justin Jefferson? He's never had touchdown regression go his way. Never ever. Um, I I did some one of the few times I did charting just to see where his touchdowns were coming from. His first year of his like seven touchdowns his rookie year, he was only targeted in the end zone twice. He had to catch the ball and run it into the end zone and either break tackles or break free from people for a majority of his touchdowns. Yeah, last that's year been, he that's got been very true un- quite a bit. Um, over the uh, over the last first three year years. he got very unlucky though. Mm-hmm. So did Dalvin Cook last year in terms of touchdowns. That's also true. Madison got very lucky, and Cook got very unlucky. Well, you see, Cook just kept hurting that shoulder. He had to come down because he dropped the ball. He had to say, "Oh, my shoulder hurts." He has to leave for two plays. Yeah, no, I. I then everyone freak. Everyone would freak out, and then he'd have to come back in later and say, "Oh, it's fine." Um. The thing that concerns me is not that there's going to be a running back that gets a zillion checkdowns. It's Jerome Ford. But if there, the, there's just no, not every offense throws to the running back very often. And this one doesn't have to be one. They added Elijah Moore. They added Cedric Tillman. They still have Donovan Peoples-Jones. They have a good wide receiver depth chart behind Amari Cooper. They still have David Njoku. Um, there's no guarantee that there's going to be 50 receptions for the running backs. That's not a given. 
it's not an efficient play, really, a lot of the time. Throwing a wide receiver is usually better. So the, the answer is Jerome Ford, but nobody. You know, not every team has a dedicated scat back that's used a lot. Tennessee didn't. If, if Nick Chubb goes down with an injury, it's not going to be Jerome Ford getting all the first team carries. Even if he's uh, it's yeah. gonna be it's gonna be someone random off the sh- it's gonna be someone random. It's gonna be a big waiver wire ad. We just yeah, what would happen know. is that Jerome it'd be a Dearness Dur- Johnson situation first. Jerome we Ford don't know. would stay in his third down role and then pick up some of the early down work, and someone that is not relevant to us would step into <laughs> some of the early down work. Um, and hopefully be efficient. <laughs> Right now, it's probably John Kelly. As crazy as that is. Just a tad. I still think the Browns are a team that needs another running back. I mean, Cream Hunt is out there. That'd be a nice fit, right? I still think the Browns are a team that could look at Leonard Fournette because Jerome Ford is not ready. He's also hurt right now. I wouldn't be surprised. The Browns think they're contenders. They need every little bit of help they can get. Leonard Fournette would improve their team. There is no doubt that Leonard Fournette would improve their team. Maybe Kareem Hunt, it's personal. Maybe there's a personal issue between, and I think it's clear down the stretch that there was. There's a personal issue, so they cannot sign Kareem Hunt. But Leonard Fournette would improve their team. So they're they're top of my list. Why aren't Lenny and Hunt on teams? Can't really drop Lenny, can I? Honestly, I don't know. Uh, I mean, Kareem Hunt took a bunch of visits. Teams were interested. I think Kareem Hunt is washed, but, you know, Kenny Drake is still getting jobs. Marlon Mack still got a job this offseason. If you lower your salary demand, I think every team in the league that is not totally full at running back. So 20 teams, let's say, if I told them, you can have Kareem Hunt for $2 million contract this year. Would take him. Leonard Fournette might be a little more. $3 million. 20 teams would be interested. The problem is that's probably not what they're asking for. So they're going to have to accept that either that's what they're going to get or the number of teams interested is going to be limited or it's going to require an injury. Or it's going to be the Colts after they trade Jonathan Taylor away. Like if they trade Jonathan Taylor to a team where there's no running back involved in the deal like Buffalo for example. Any chance Cortland Sucken can regain form? No, because he's never been good. He's never been good. It's not like Juju Smith-Schuster, who was once actually good and then became bad. Cortland Sutton has never been good. He is the worst starting wide receiver to receive his amount of opportunity over the last few years. The stone worst. Least good on his opportunity. For someone to have that many targets and do that little, he is the worst. He is bad. He will not become good. I think the question on the Broncos and what's going to decide the Broncos' offense is, is Jerry Judy good? Because if Jerry Judy's bad, Russell Wilson's going to be bad too. Because Russell Wilson is no longer Superman. Mr. Unlimited. Yeah, he's very limited. He's Mr. Limited is what I would call him. Mr. Limited. Very limited in his uh, play. So, no, Cortland Sutton, I, I have no hope. He's, he's just bad. 
He's probably the highest priced roster clogger in Dynasty. Can't feel comfortable starting him. You can't trade him. Nobody wants him, but you can't drop him. So he's, uh, yeah, he's bad. He's a bad player. Uh, what else? Let's see. Oh, Ryan, you said Derrick Henry will be the bust of the year. We kind of already addressed that. Oh, yeah. I mean, the offense is terrible. I mean, sure, he gets to play with D-Hop and Traylon Burks, but, like, what's the ceiling for that offense? And, like, Father Time? I have Derrick Henry at seven and left him off the list of guys I think I could finish at number one. Father Time is going to get this, man. I I know he's a robot, but Father Time comes for everybody. And I know people were banging that drum, what, three, four years ago? I remember when I was in college, people were banging that drum. Oh, my gosh, he's 26. Yeah, we were wrong. We were really wrong about that one. Yeah. But I, th- I think I think now is the time, and the offensive line just getting worse. He's in and... decline. He's never quite been the same since that 2021 injury. He didn't come back in 2022, and he wasn't the same. So, I agree. I'm at seven, but I'm scared. He's on the list of players I'm scared to draft. I don't blame you. I'd be scared to draft him too. You said that Alvin Kamara is the best value. That depends on what his ADP is. He, and it's wildly he, fluctuating. He he was. Was. He, yeah, I don't think he is anymore. He's 27, and I still think that's a great value. RB 27? Yeah. I have him at 25. I don't think that's a... But he he Not was a, down there in the late in the mid thirties. Then he was a great value, but I don't think he is anymore. And so, then um, Zeke is getting involved in the passing game. Oh boy! Aren't we excited? No, Bill, Bill gonna Bill. <laughs> Bill. I will say I am not interested. I saw the Corey Dillon comp on Twitter. I'm not interested in Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> and Fantasy. Are either do either of you disagree? Uh the avid best ball player that I am disagrees because he's like around 16 pick. But in other formats, I'm I'm out. Where would you rank Ezekiel Elliott in a PPR? Uh that's a great question. Um it is, isn't it? It's a fantastic question. Hold on, let me let me scroll down the list real quick. I'm glad I, you think I'm fantastic. Thank you. I, I I'd probably put him at like 41 42 in that in that range yeah, i have him at 46 so even lower i'm kind of debating like him versus like rashad penny like who who do i prefer rashad penny's starting to like fall out of my interest in drafting at all though i'm moving him up one spot to 45 because i'm not sure rashad penny's even going to make the team still i'm not really very interested in uh Ezekiel Elliott. I just think Ezekiel Elliott's not going to be playable when Ramondre Stevenson is in the lineup. And if Ramondre Stevenson goes down, Ezekiel Elliott's going to be like running back 20 at best. Heck yeah. RB 20, that feels... (laughs) Yeah, but that requires Ramondre Stevenson to get hurt. I don't think he's going to be usable at all otherwise. But yeah. I'm not super interested. All right, what else? 
can Jalen Warren and Najee Harris end up being a Tony Pollard Zeke split in Dallas where Warren has standalone flex value? Uh I mean Tony Pollard was around for a long time and it took four years for that to happen. I'm gonna lean now. I don't think Warren's not anywhere near efficient enough to Warren's not as good as Tony Pollard. Yeah. I'm gonna lean no. I do like Jalen Warren, though. Jalen Warren's a different player than Tony Pollard. Jalen Warren, you know, I think could, if called upon, if Najee Harris were hurt, Jalen Warren, I'd feel comfortable plugging in as an other one. In fact, I'd actually, it's one of those situations, similar to Samaje P. Ryan last year, where I'd actually rather have Jalen Warren with Najee Harris hurt than Najee Harris in the first place. The Steelers have two players that they trust, and if... Najee Harris is not that much better than Jalen Warren. If Najee Harris goes down, Jalen Warren gets everything. Contingently, though, Najee Harris has a little bit more upside than people are saying because if Jalen Warren goes down, Najee Harris gets the rest. Like, I think this is 60-40, 65-35. But if one of them goes down, the other one gets like 90 to 95% because the Steelers trust their players. They stick to them. And if they have... You know, the Steelers usually use a workhorse because they only trust one player. Now they trust two. But if one of them gets hurt, they don't go to RB3. They don't go to their third player. Whoever's healthy will get everything. So both Harris and Warren have a little bit of extra upside because if there's just one of them, they'll be even higher. Like, I'd rank Najee Harris weekly in the top 10 if Jalen Warren were out that week and vice versa for Jalen Warren with Najee Harris. Let's uh let's do this last one and and then wrap up. How important are handcuffs in Dynasty? Mm. I don't think every backup running back is a cuff, right? Um, I would say that in Dynasty handcuffs are important. Um, you want guys who have a path to the starting job, a path to increase in value. So, you know, I'm more interested in Evan Hall than Pierre Strong. Because Evan Hull is built to be a potential starter if called upon, whereas Pierre Strong will never, ever be. He's a satellite back. So you want the guys who have a path to a bigger role. Um, and yeah, not every backup running back is a cuff. Pierre Strong is not a handcuff and wasn't even before Ramon, uh, Ezekiel Elliott signed uh, there. I, I like the phrase "any back on a 53." Eh, I think that's a little excessive. Mm. Tad. Um, as long as we're not completely relegated to special teams, I, I'm okay with that. Um, I, I think you but, have to be able to tell a story that they could be the starter at some point, and there are some running backs where I can't get there. Like I have no interest in Chase Edmonds. That's fair. Does he even make a 53 this year, though? I think he will. Or like Justice Hill. Like these type, Kenny Wongu. I'm not interested in these players. But most running backs that are on a 53 I am interested in. The only ones I'm not interested in are guys that are really old and don't have much value like Latavius Murray or Kenyon Drake, Melvin Gordon. Or guys that are like pure scat backs and special teamers like 
just sell uh, Kenny Wong there. So a small follow-up question on this. So mathematically, we agree that in that drafting your own handcuffs in redraft isn't the best practice. You want to you want to have multiple backfields that you have exposure to because you have the potential for higher upside. That's correct. In Dynasty as a contender, do you want to make sure that you have your backup running backs for your studs? No. Or do you want to have the, the best? No, I don't think about that. I just want to have the best players. Uh, I usually litter the bottom of my running my roster with running backs. doesn't have to be mine. I'll just take whatever I can get and then mm-hmm. use those players to make more moves. As long as you're active, it sounds like it. You can make it. You can make whatever you have work. I mean, you've seen me do it. I've seen you do it. You've blown up my phone doing it. I do that. I'm pretty sure I have you to thank for my iPhone's battery life being shortened. You're all welcome. Of your, all of your sleeper notifications. Mm, I like this question. Just tuning in, please tell me you've talked about Joe Mixon being a top 10 running back with top five upside. Um, I think you can find that on a different channel. You're not going to find that here. That's something that uh, someone who overvalues one game and doesn't look at how bad Joe Mixon was all of last year and, you know. He's really good in that one game, though. (laughs) Yeah, but he was bad. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying he wasn't. Uh, He's not. And uh, he's not going to. He can fail. He, He for a long time, had... um, so, startable, startable RB1, RB2 uh, weeks. He was a 50-50 player while being a starting NFL running back for most so, of his career. you want a comp for 2023 Joe Mixon? You want a good comp? Shoot. 2020 Todd Gurley. Washed. But there was nobody to compete with him on the Falcons. Brian Hill, Ito Smith. You know, Tony Brooks James, nobody, Quadri Allison, nobody compete with him. He was going to get all the work, and then he didn't because he sucked, and then he was benched. Doesn't matter that there's nobody to replace him. There was nobody to replace early there. He busted, and he sucked. Burned you at his uh, draft cost. That's your comp. I think Rainbow's a troll. Uh, yeah. Mixon was paid a long time ago when he was still good, unlike now where he is not good. Do, do, do. By the way, Gurley was younger then than Mixon is now, just for the record. Minor details. We don't like facts. People don't like facts here. It's not like the Bengals couldn't commit to even hmm. Mixon being on the team. Yeah, they didn't commit to that. We don't like facts here. You know, we don't like facts that Mixon's older than Gurley was then, had more miles on his tires, and uh, was worse the previous year, and has more competition than, than Gurley had back then. We don't like facts, though. We don't like facts. We're opposed. We like feelings and, and gut. And judging. And judging, yes. <laughs> Stevenson over Mixon. For the record. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else? I like these comments. You're really going to help the algorithm. Um, all right. Well, I'll wrap us up. Um, let's see if you like the video, 
Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, hit the notifications bell to be notified about future content. I need 50 more subscribers for 2,000. So help me get there before the season. I'd really appreciate it. You guys have been a great audience. So keep up the great work. That's the Patreon. Thank you, Patrick. Yep. Uh, Patreon.com slash fantasy advice. Yes. Um, I will do a special live stream if uh, Jonathan Taylor is traded or something. That's such big news. I'll do a separate video. Otherwise, we'll be back here. Next week, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. I might have a special show for you guys. We'll have some sort of mock draft. I'll let you know exactly what we're going to do. But it'll be an exciting show either way. And then additionally, um, watch for my shorts on here. I do shorts when there's little minor news that doesn't merit a big video. Nice shorts. Actionable content in under a minute. Uh, and then if you want to just donate uh, that my Venmo, Tyler the Great on Venmo. You can just donate whatever you want. I'm accepting all donations. Very appreciated. Um, and every little bit, you know, goes to just support my work and all of that. But until next time, I want to thank uh, Patrick and Ryan for working with me here shorthanded. And uh, hopefully we're going to have a nice full house for next week's special episode. So I'll, I'll let you guys know about that when I know. But until then... I will see you all. Oh, also, ask Tyler. Don't forget about that. I've dropped it yesterday. Um, it's, it's doing very well. So I appreciate all the interaction on that as well. You guys crushing it as the audience. I think I've gotten all my promos now. But until next time, I will see you all later. Peace. I'm gonna, I let them hear that. I know you do. <laughs>